Podcast. I am one of the few people who think the Patriots are actually going to be really good this year. Let's go! Oh, God. It's me. It's Kevin Wilder. Shocker! Surprise! All right, welcome to another edition of the R. Bill Simmons podcast, and it has been an absolutely crazy week in Bill Simmons. Subreddit's going nuts, this Twitter account's going nuts, so many Bill Simmons stories, and it has worked out perfectly that I'm bringing somebody on to dissect, analyze, discuss all of them. So Jake, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. I think I think we've got a lot going on. Thanks for having me, Tribe. Uh we have pressing topics and some definitely juicy things to dig into. Yeah, so I've been following the McAfee story a ton. So we're so you have a history with both McAfee and part of my takes. So we're going to hit on that. We're definitely hitting on this Mark Titus soundbite, which I'm going to play in a bit here because that that was a story that that captured the internet by storm, both on Twitter and on the sub. You went to the live rewatchable show in DC, which was the original premise of us linking up on Twitter in the first place was because I had kind of tweeted out and said, hey, I did a recap of, of uh, somebody who went to the live show for Rosillo in NYC. It went great. I wanted to have you. I wanted to have someone. So you you reached out. And then finally, we're also going to talk about Now I Can Die in Peace, which is Bill's Red Sox book, his baseball book. I don't want to hear it from all of the the newbies, Bill fans, that he doesn't know about baseball. No, he made a name for himself uh, in baseball. So we're going to talk about that. So, yeah, man, this is jam-packed today. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. So we're we're going to start with Titus because that was something and appreciate. I think it was Tommy Donnie who tweeted at me and said he – Titus recently said the following on a podcast. So I'm just going to play it. And then we're going to react to it. Do you like Simmons or no? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. He's like, like, he's just a guy that like, I knew him a little bit a long time ago, but not very well. I don't, I don't have like a vendetta against him. I don't care. He's, he's just like a guy that he's like a, in the same way that like, if you worked an accounting job out of college and then now you've moved on with your life, you probably don't think about your boss from that job very often like that's kind of how i view him it's like i'm 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 a little grateful for the opportunity he gave me but at the same time like i don't talk to him and I don't really... all right so i want to give a brief background and then and then give the floor to you to respond so mark titus initially links up with bill simmons in when he was in college at ohio state club trillion did the blog bill simmons had him on during the college basketball season and titus has been with simmons at grantland and the ringer and so Someone like you, you've been following Titus a lot more closely than I think most people, including myself. What do you make of that comment in the context of Titus's career arc? 
So I think it's about standard for how he's been treating, talking about Bill um, post leaving the ringer. He definitely didn't talk about it as much or nearly at all when he was at Fox Sports, which I think makes sense because at Barcelona, you're expected to talk a lot more about your personal life and things that have happened. And it's like, it's a lot more drama based. Whereas like at Fox Sports, they're a lot more interested, you know, in just like covering games. They're not really interested in developing personalities that really dig into their personal lives. Um, and I also think part of it is also that Tate had that relationship with Bill, which I think was still a lot stronger. Whereas now, especially w w because he doesn't have Tate, I don't know if we, we want to give some background on that, but because Tate never went with him to Barstool, I think he feels a little bit more open to that. So he's both feeling a lot more openness to talking about it, both because he's forced to, and I think because he doesn't have that Tate relationship in his life as much. Mm, and yeah, I do want to get into that because then the context for Titus and Tate which I, I didn't realize this. I just listened to this recently. Um, I think you you sent the video to me, but, ba but basically what happened was when Titus and Tate were looking to move on from Fox or get a or re-sign with Fox, get a better deal, Titus, through the process, when he was talking with the Barstool guys, ultimately said, hey, I want to be joining Barstool Chicago. I'll move there. It's, I'm going to be closer to my family and I can build out, help build out the Barstool Chicago brand and office. And so he was in a little bit of a different negotiation than Tate, who is going to stay in LA. And so there was a miscommunication, at least from Titus's side, where he thought him and Tate were basically going to be a package deal. But then ultimately Tate decided not to go to Barstool with Titus. And then obviously he's now at the ringer. So yeah, I don't know if you have more to provide there, but certainly Tate has a much stronger relationship with Bill Simmons, given that he's still working for him and with him as opposed to Titus, who isn't. Yeah, and I think a bit more onto that is um, Titus like mentioned has mentioned before how he wanted to be able to buy like a, a, essentially like a large house and living in LA on the salary that he would have gotten at Fox wouldn't have allowed him to do that. And it's like I listened to um, one of his shows, mostly sports, pretty much daily. Um, he does that with Brandon Walker, who's also a Barcelona personality, and they have made fun of him multiple times for like how expensive of a house he's bought in Chicago, which I think is above grade for about like what type of Twitter following they have and where he sits in the company, which also like makes me think about if he's still being represented by James Babydoll Dixon, because they had that relationship going back all the way to when uh, Titus was going to work for Jimmy Kimmel. Cause I don't know if you know that whole story, but basically uh, Bill Simmons flew Titus out to LA to interview uh, with Jimmy Kimmel to t maybe be a writer on his show, oh, and then that, that, yeah. So and then that ended up not really working out. But then Bill brought him on for Grantland, which I think like about matches up with that timing. Um, yeah. So we wanted to move out for that, and I also think Tate, and I think this is kind of going unspoken, but I think Tate looks down on Barstool maybe right to do so. Like it's not known for their uh, sports coverage. It's more, you know, for their drama um, and just like general, like goofy antics. It's less known for like being a like hard journalism type of coverage, which is Tate's background. Like he was a journalism major at UNC and I think he still views himself in that lens. So I think he never really wanted to go to bar. So I think it was more Tate kind of put or Titus kind of pushing it because of all these different things that were going on in his life. Plus he has that big relationship with big cat. Titus does. Titus is like one of the, like the uh, biggest recurring guests that uh, part of my take has ever had. And so they had that relationship, but Tate never had that relationship. I don't think he ever went on uh, part of my take. 
So I, I think when you account for all that, I think it makes a bit more sense. That That is making a lot more sense. Didn't realize that about Bill with Jimmy Kimmel, but then that also makes me think, okay, so if Bill, I'm not, maybe plucks is the wrong word, but but Bill thrusts Mark Titus into the spotlight in college by shedding the light on his blog. And I remember listening to that first episode and he did a couple with them looking on that blog. It was hilarious at the time for sure. So he got his first big break with Bill. Now we all know about him at Grantland and him at the ringer. Now you're also adding in here that he Bill is helping him with Kimmel. So I guess my, my question and any insight you have in this would be interesting is how does the relationship between those guys transition to a point where Titus basically says, yeah, he's just like any other old boss anyone would have in their first job. (laughs) And I don't even talk to him anymore. I mean, that kind of seems a little bit extreme to me and I'll finish up with this. Not, not, not I'm grateful. I'm a little grateful. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Which which is amazing because like that, he helped him out so much early in his career and Bill definitely saw him as like his protege saw Titus as like his protege um and i think like maybe rightfully to do so because uh titus is a really great writer like he was very funny um i think he like he added some insight but i think he just worked a lot more off of just like being able to write very fun columns um so i think bill saw a lot of him in titus saw a lot of himself in titus i think part of it is uh he i think titus feels that bill ultimately stunted his growth because mm-hmm. Titus talks a lot about how one reason why he wanted to go to Barstool, um, and like this is also like one of the other reasons, is because he wanted to branch out and not just be known as a college basketball guy. He wanted to be able to cover other sports, especially college football. Um, and when he wanted to do that at The Ringer, he says like management base was like, no, like you're on the college basketball beat. This is what you're going to like keep talking about. Like this is like what we have you here for. And we have other guys who can talk about all those other things, although no one ever talks about college football, which is a completely ignored aspect of the ringer, basically, except for uh, Rosillo um, and also like Van Lathan will occasionally talk. But for the most part, it's largely ignored. And Titus felt like he wanted to be able to not just be uh, buttonholed as this college basketball guy. And I think he blames Bill for just consistently putting him into that path. So that's very interesting, and, and I have two takeaways from what you just said. So first on what you, you just recently said now, I'm not so sure that that's not just a ringer-esque type of idea where they are pigeonholing people, they aren't allowing people to uh, develop creatively, because I think what we've witnessed, there's been a lot of talent that leaves the ringer and goes on to do bigger and better things. And even some of that talent, you know, doesn't even have that great of things to say about Bill Simmons. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think that's just Titus. And then the second thing I would say is, yes, in terms of Bill seeing himself in Titus, I went back and listened to the first pod that uh, that Titus did with Bill. And I had completely forgotten about this. Bill calls him multiple times, jokingly, my illegitimate son. <laughs> So this was a big deal. And so that that's why it's so it's so crazy to me that the relationship uh, dissolved. I had originally been thinking maybe it was money and it could be money. Certainly. I mean, that was my what that was originally what I was thinking. Maybe Titus felt he was 
underpaid and and then they go to fox they have a better deal and then he, he's probably getting paid more barstools obviously he took it he liked the offer but i think may, maybe what you maybe payment is and money is a factor in it but i'm thinking what you're saying i that makes a lot of sense to me because it wouldn't just be titus feeling that way at the ringer no i i think that's great to also enter in that context because which is so weird because I feel like a lot of people, like earlier Grantland people, like Wesley Morris or like Shea Serrano, I, I feel like they have a great relationship with Bill, at least as far as I can tell. And so it's weird now that like they've transitioned to where all these other people are leaving and they pretty much, you're right, they, they never talk. And I think you've talked in the past with one of your guests, like maybe they have an NDA set up or something. I don't know if that's necessarily the case or it's just like, there's this general rule in sports media that it's not great to talk about your former boss, like in any real way uh, or like your former organization in any real way, especially if you're being critical about it. So I don't, I'm not really sure like why they're not talking about it. And like, even when I like you can like even say, even when Titus is talking about it, he'll like paint very broadly and he's kind of being careful. So I don't really know why that is. Yeah. Agreed. Now on Titus in general. So you've, you're clearly very familiar with him. You listen to his content so how is his content? Because I'm I'm sitting here. I'm not a huge college basketball guy um, or college football guy, so I don't really listen to pods about that. But presumably, this guy has has a pretty successful college basketball podcast. Yeah, I would say because like the One Shining podcast, I think was the most popular college basketball podcast. Um, I don't know because he has what he has like one show, mostly sports, which is a daily show. And then he has the Mark Titus show, which is essentially his college basketball show. I don't know how those do relative to any other college basketball podcasts, especially because that's not like one of the large, I wouldn't say that's one of the larger, um, podcasting genres in sports, but for the most part, like, I think if like you look at like his general social media following, it'll be like him, John Rothstein. I don't really know who else would be in like the top echelon of college basketball podcasters. Um, but I think his content is, is really, really funny. Like he has like this one recurring bit on the podcast. Like he's doing like cold ass white boy rankings, for, like the best cold ass white boy in college basketball. Now um, it'll be like, generally like, kind of like silly and stupid stuff like that. I, I really enjoy listening to, him. I've listened to him uh, probably like five, six years now. Um, pretty much full time. Like I'll pretty much listen to whatever he puts out. That's, that's largely based on like one of my friends who's also like a Bill Simmons head, uh, JR. He is really, really, uh, he was really into Mark Titus and he kind of got me into it. I've just been listening ever since. That's kind of like my entry into Barstool too, where now I listen to a significant amount of Barstool stuff where I wasn't before. Okay, so that very interesting. I'm going to hit on that in a second. But I, as you were talking, I was zooming through the, the top charts for sports podcasts. It's number 65, Mark Titus show. Okay. What's what's around that number 64 undisputed in podcast form number 66 the ringer NFL show number 67 green light with Chris Long so these are not inconsequential podcasts and that's only his show right that's not as necessarily as college basketball show the Mark Titus show is his basketball show it and then he okay. has yeah so that's his college basketball show interesting okay so that's but still that that's pretty impressive being up there. And then, yeah, so following up on what you just said, yeah, how do you judge the Barstool move both for Titus and Barstool? And and I want to give context to that kind of what I've always thought on this pod and, and what I've kind of been arguing for maybe why Rosillo could potentially go to Barstool, but just anyone sports in general. I like the idea of if you're if you have a guy like Titus or a talent 
that does sports of any kind, but certainly if it fits the, the niche of, of what, um, if it fits maybe a weak area of a barstool, for example, you bring that person into the barstool podcast studio. And then ultimately people like yourself, you're going to be listening to more barstool shows because Titus is on them and then vice versa. Um, the barstool people will say, Oh, this is a new college basketball show. Maybe I'll give this shot. So Presumably, it seems like that has worked for for Barstool by you, at least, where you're listening to more Barstool content after Titus goes there. Yeah, and I think I don't know how he would judge the move because he's complained a lot about how he feels like the company has not given him great advertising on social. Like, and this is something they've discussed on the pod a bunch of times, but they Portnoy like did not seem that interested in um and sponsoring and advancing his shows like they won't retweet them very often on like you know all those various barstool social media accounts um they won't feature their content that much on the accounts and he's not really sure why um but i think i so i think you would judge the move as being mixed because one because of like not being featured as much then two like i think it's basically made it unavailable for him to be hired at a quote-unquote legitimate sports media organization, especially because, like, he's since, like, peed himself on camera on uh, the Yak because he lost, like, some competition. Um, so, like, it just... And I just think that general Barstool Association, like, you're saying things that you probably wouldn't be saying when you're at uh, a, a more legitimate sports media organization. So I I think there's that, but I think he's also being paid a ton, and I think he's just being, like, okay... Like, he's essentially called this, like, his, like, uh, dropping the bag moment of just, like, I've just, like, took the money, I sold out, and I'm fine making that decision because it also allowed me to move to Chicago where I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And I'm fine doing that, even if it means that I can't, like, you know, go work for Fox Sports or CBS or whatever. It's so funny that that you're you're saying all this and presumably it's from Titus's content while at Barstool. That's such a different type of content than the like you would never hear rigor people have that conversation on their podcasts. Oh yeah, he said like he's like they've said all the time about how they're mad that about how like the organization itself treats them and they think that like Portnoy isn't uh, advancing them enough. Um and like how because there's like this one show called I don't know if you know who Rico Bosco is, but he's like also a Barcelona guy and he's basically like Dave Portnoy's pet. Um <laughs> but like he has this one show called Healthy Debate where like people it's basically a call-in show where people can call in and debate him. Um, and Portnoy like called into it a bunch of times and they basically astroturfed the amount of um, subscribers that they have on YouTube. And Titus and Brandon Walker were really pissed about this because like Portnoy never called into their show. They wouldn't feature them on socials. And apparently at Barstool, they really do judge how many subscribers on YouTube you have. Like this is and we can talk about that in relation to the ringer because now the ringer is concentrating on YouTube. Um, but th this is like a big metric for them. And like, you need more than 10,000 subscribers in order to actually get merch listed on the Barcel sport store. And like, that's like a significant revenue source for them. Um, so like Portnoy was going on Rico Bosco's show and just absolutely like upping up th these numbers, even though it wasn't reflecting the views. It was just like a bunch of simps that Portnoy had who were wanting, you know, to subscribe because he's telling them to. And mostly sports and is building the audience a lot more organically. That's Titus's other show. It's building the audience a lot more organically. Um, and it, like, if you like, compare the viewer numbers of those two shows, it's drastically in favor of mostly sports, even if it doesn't reflect in the subscriber numbers. Interesting, man. So the inner workings of Barstool are uh, 
yeah, they're fraught with some contention. That's fascinating. And they're and they're really open about like that. That's only like I never like looked on like Reddit like to actually say like, what people were talking about. Like they're very open with this on, on the shows. Yeah, it's not like the the Simmons subreddit where everybody's <laughs> giving their theories of what's going on behind yeah. the scenes with the ringer, which of course is is always fun. Okay, so that's really interesting. Now, are you following, listening to Tate now or not? I so I tried both of their podcasts when they separated. And I listened to a little bit of Tate, um, which also has nephew Kyle on it. And it's it's like Titus's show is just much funnier and much better. I think like what it ultimately showed is Titus would treat the relationship as an equal partnership. I think that was very nice of him. But ultimately, I think he's just the better sports personality and the better talent. Um, I think he just does a more entertaining show than Tate does. And I really don't have a need for two college basketball shows in my life. Like I'm totally fine having Titus be my one college basketball show. That makes total sense. Does Titus still write? He doesn't. I wish he did. And I don't know why. Because like, Barstool does talk a lot about their blogs, but he he never blogs. And I kind I wish he did because he like would really write great stuff. And I don't know. I guess he like is similar to Simmons where it's like, I don't need to, I can make a ton of money just by talking. And it's a lot easier to do that than to actually write. So like, why write? Yeah. And that, yeah, that's exactly why Simmons isn't doing it. He doesn't really say that, but we all know that's. Exactly oh yeah. No, that, yeah, that's exactly why. Because like, he should have like Simmons should have written the Durant book and it could have been about the evolution. He could have yeah. used Kevin Durant for the evolution, like as a lens to explore the evolution of the NBA he never wrote it. I'm sure tons of agents came to him and were like, dude, like write this book. It will be an automatic bestseller. He probably like put like some like pages together. It was like, this is really hard. I'm not writing 350 pages on this. I can just make a ton of money by talking out of my ass all the time. So I love that idea. And and what I what I love even in most about it is that if you compare what Simmons would have been able to do in a Kevin Durant book versus the recorded six interviews with him, which were not that entertaining by the end. I mean, it would it would have been a world's difference because I think people actually they after those interviews, they had a worse impression of both Bill Simmons and Kevin Durant because Durant didn't come across that. Well, I don't think. And Simmons, we've all thought, yeah, this guy's been in the bag for KD ever since those interviews. And so he's not objective as a writer anymore. And how can we trust him with rankings and uh, if he updates the book of basketball? So. Yeah, but but if he actually put the work behind it and put the book in, I mean, people, man, if Bill, if Bill Simmons put out anything written word, but he he puts out any book, I mean, people are snapping that up easy. I mean, yeah, and it's like, like and we're going to talk about this later, but like I recently read uh, Simmons' baseball book, which is what like over fifteen, probably over fifteen years ago. Like in fifteen years from now, you're going to be listening to these Kevin Durant interviews, and be like, oh, like this is great. Like re really looking forward to re-listening to these. Like they're going to like go in the trash. Like no one's going to listen to them like fifteen years from now. But like all these books, like these can live forever. Well, and speaking of that, Bill Simmons would agree because remember he did the Grantland quarterlies. And that's right, exactly which I, I have like two of those. I love those. Those were great. I still go back to them occasionally. Oh, that's great. Yeah, sometimes people in the sub are like, oh, is anyone selling them or whatnot? Or I am selling <laughs> one. So yeah, it's funny. All right, do we need to do any more on Titus before moving on to McAfee and part of my take? Um, no, I think we can move on. Okay. And then the one the one thing I'll do to finish up on Titus is, you know, I, I just think it's it's so fascinating to see how the relationship changed over time with Bill. So I think getting getting into that is is useful and if anybody out there uh you know has 
has more thoughts, obviously, let let uh let let us know in the comments. But yeah, so let's move on to McAfee uh first, then a little part of my take. So yeah, so you've been following McAfee the story here, and so I, I'll give my context for for me and McAfee first before giving the floor to you to talk a little bit more about McAfee. So I think my perspective here is I just know McAfee as the interviewing guy. I don't really watch the show. I have been the last couple of days just to make sure I didn't miss a, a quip of Bill, Bill Simmons, a clapback. But from my perspective, you know, he has Nick Saban on, but yeah, he'll have Rogers on. He'll have JJ Watt was on this week. Pat Patrick Mahomes. He did a really interesting interview with Steve Spagnola. He did a great interview with Adam Silver, even this, this week, because the game, the NBA all-star weekend is in uh, Indianapolis. So, to me, that that's what I've always thought the appeal of McAfee was, is that he's getting these big names, he's interviewing them well, and that, yeah, there's some chit-chat before and after about stuff, but that's maybe why the show is as successful as it is, which then I think I think it's fair for Pat if, and I'm curious your thoughts on this too, but from my perspective, I think it's fair for Pat to be annoyed at someone like Bill criticizing his show and saying, they don't really talk much about anything. Well, in reality, Pat's having on all, all these very tip-top coaches, athletes, whatnot, getting really good information out of him. I mean, right, the, the clips go viral. They're on ESPN, all this stuff. They were on ESPN before he was working for ESPN. And then even as opposed to Bill, who Bill's not having these guests on and he's having the ringer people for, for most of the time. And Bill's not really putting in too much prep to his pods. And he's he's kind of the original guy calling up his bros, talking, calling up Corolla in, in the early 2010s. So I think, you know, everyone's fair to clap and clap back. So I'm just loving the whole feud and I wish there was more of it. But I completely understand where Pat is coming from, at least the from the perspective that I know him as, which is trying to put on a successful show that is actually talking sports. It's just Simmons kind of disagrees with how he does it. Yeah. So I think one, I, if you want to, so I'll say this at the outset, like if you want to learn about football, I think McAfee is leagues and bounds better for that than bill. I, like we can get into bill's coverage of football, but like it's incredibly anecdote driven. It's not very in depth. He's a lot more interested in narratives and storylines. Whereas on McAfee, um, and like, if you, if you watch a show more, I think like this would sh uh, show through more, but they'll get into the nitty gritty of X's and O's. Like they'll have AQ Shipley come on and he'll do like an in the trenches segment where he, uh, will explain like, like, uh, offensive line coverages and offensive line schemes, or they'll have like Darius Butler come on and like, he'll be like, at like a board, like a, you know, a smart board or whatever. And like showing like, uh, defensive arrangements in the secondary, um, like Bill obviously does not go nearly in that kind of depth. Um, but I also think that uh, Matt, like my appeal with Mac, I've been listening to McAfee for like four or five years, definitely less so since he's transferred to ESPN because I think he's a lot more muted. Um, mm -hmm. And I think he's a lot more contained, which I don't like. Um, but I, I the, the, the appeal of McAfee was just more like, it's essentially like this bro. It's basically the best way I can describe it. It's kind of like Howard Stern for sports like it uses that, that very same model of and like Dan Patrick also talks about this too, but of, of using the producers as people that like you can bounce ideas off of and like they're also like you know they're existing people who have personalities um they have things going on in their lives and you're gonna talk with them about it. 
and like, and that is more the appeal to me of McAfee. Like I, I just really enjoy like hanging out with them. Like one of my favorite things to do was I have uh, half day Fridays during the summer. And so I would just drink like seven or eight Coors Lights and just watch McAfee starting at noon. Like that was one of my favorite things to do. Um, and it's just like, it's kind of like, it's like, it's parasocial relationship. It's just like, you know, you kind of feel like you're hanging out with them a little bit, which I think, I think is like the driving appeal of why a lot, like of how he built that initial audience. Interesting. Okay. And so, yeah, so there's the, so there's, so there's similar, there's a similarity and a contrast between Bill and Pat, which maybe both of those are the reason why there's a little bit of friction here, because I think the, the similarity between them is what you just said, which is the parasocial bond, and people are saying that word too much, but since you said <laughs> it, we might as well say it. You hear the, you're, I mean, that word is, that that word's having a moment right now. That word's apexing. Um. I don't, like, I don't understand it, because it's like, people have had these quote-unquote parasocial relationships with fictional characters, like, since the written word has been around. Like, I don't understand why now it's becoming blown up when before, like, everyone was fine with it before. No, and especially when, you know, people would radio shows in and out like a Stern or people, I mean, podcasts have been around for a while, so I, I don't know what the, what the change is, but yeah, agreed. So, so there's a, people like hanging out with both McAfee and Bill. And so if they're kind of going for that same interest people have, which is I'll listen to a guy talk about sports. I think at a, on a previous podcast, someone, uh, one of the guests described it as it's like going to a bar and a guy, you know, you enjoy talking sports with the guy at a bar. So, okay. So they're, they're similar in that vein. What I think might be, and so there's competition there. So that, that's the one thing I, I've left out. There's competition there. Bill sees McAfee kind of coming on his turf as a sports guy that's doing audio that I like hanging out with. And he's not happy with that. First of all, because he's, he's on his turf. Second of all, because I think Pat is doing things differently than Simmons in the sense of he is interacting with um, the producers. When he has guests on, he's letting the guests talk. And it's less, of, at least in those interviews, it is very much less about Pat versus the guest. And certainly Aaron Rodgers will be the one that, to take that as, to the extreme to where Pat if he has Rogers on, sometimes Rogers will sit, you know, will talk for 15, 20 minutes interrupted. Now, some people don't like that. And obviously he gets into controversial topics, but that's the example of Pat letting that happen. That is not what Bill Simmons is doing in 2024. Bill Simmons. Now he is the star of his show. He feels like the listeners are coming to Bill and the Bill Simmons podcast to hear his thoughts. And to me, that's a big distinction on, how to do sports radio in 2024. You can have Pat interacting with his producers, keeping it fun, keeping it light, giving the guests a lot of room to operate. Or you can have Bill where Bill will have KOC on and either KOC completely agrees with everything he says or he offers an ounce of pushback and Bill gets pissy and moves on to the next topic. So I think you, when you add all that together, that might be the reason, at least for the initial spark of the feud, and then potentially the Rodgers and Kimmel thing kind of put gasoline on it. So I have two questions for you. One, do you think Ben Simmons listens to Pat McAfee? And then two, did you know Ariel Hawani used to be like a regular fixture on McAfee? 
Oh, I did not. I did not know about Ariel. Um, in terms of Ben, I mean, look, but Bill told us he's listening to Rogan. Now, at least according to Bill, it's only one of his favorite comedians are <laughs> right. I mean, come on, dude. So, yeah, if, if McAfee's broy, and I, I mean, I kind of can guess where you're going with this, but yeah, absolutely he could be. Why? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I, I think maybe like there's there's a little bit of that psychological part of it, whereas like if Ben has it on, especially because uh, I know Ben listens to a lot of YouTube that Bill will talk about and McAfee is super, super popular on YouTube. Uh, like that's how he's built up his whole audience. And so is it like maybe like Bill's like walking over, oh, like he's rolling his eyes. Like, I can't believe you're listening to that uh, McAfee. Like, he's so stupid. Like, oh, like wearing those tank tops. I love that. I love that theory. Yeah, so I, I think maybe maybe that's part of it. Um, but yeah, I, I I think there's definitely like I think it's also part of it is like oh he's on ESPN and he's like you know he's now one of the featured players on their platform. Like he's probably like wh- what would you say maybe like top if we're making like power rankings. I know like Martian and Oran would do this occasionally, but like they would do like power rankings of like the top ESPN personalities. Like he's probably like top three in that I would think, especially for how important he is on their college football. Uh, coverage especially because he does those simulcasts on espn2 when they'll have big games um but i think i I think he's a little bit jealous about how important he is on the platform and i think he is really also kind of just bugged about how popular is among younger people whereas bill isn't gaining any of that traction among like people under like 25 people under 20 i think those are those are all astute points and yeah i i would rank pat number two behind Stephen a for the yeah yeah same yeah, so Pat's up there. And then, yeah, so may- maybe putting the the final nail in the coffin for, for Bill really going after him with the bro impression is Pat going after Norby Williamson, the ESPN executive, who I believe, I believe Norby was overseeing NBA Countdown while Bill was on the show. And he's talked a lot about how the show was set up to fail and, you know, he didn't even want to do it the second year but he was kind of forced into it and then there's the whole well why did magic and uh wilbon leave did bill force him out all this stuff so whereas bill simmons i think in in the early 2000s for page two for espn he visited the set of inside the nba and wrote glowingly about how good of a show it was so i think what bill's doing is everything you just said about pat is annoying him but then he also sees oh my goodness Pat called out one of my big nemesis, nemeses, however you would, whatever. He called out Norby Williamson publicly to his face. It didn't even get suspended and goes right back working. And whereas I could never have done that and I would have been easily suspended if not fired. And so I think that's got to be eating at him a little bit too. And you throw everything in there and that's why you got the shots, both the bro impression and then the, the little the 12 p.m. Sports Center quip, which was which was really classic Bill too, because he didn't even say his name, but he got it in there. You know, he, he's a little bit more tactile than McAfee is on calling people out. Um, but I think, yeah, I think those are definitely good points on that. And I think he's also there's like a bit of jealousy of like he was able to call uh, Norby out, whereas Bill definitely didn't feel like he had the leverage to go to do so. Um, especially because Mac, and I don't understand the deal that they did from ESPN's perspective because McAfee still has his show on YouTube 
And if I'm watching that, like if you're a McAfee fan and you like McAfee, why would you possibly watch on ESPN when you can just watch it on YouTube and then not have to deal with commercials? And then also you get that, like you get that third hour and how like McAfee will usually go like three and a half hours. Uh, so an hour and a half of that is all airing on YouTube, not on ESPN. So like, I wouldn't want to like to watch on ESPN and then switch over to YouTube. So I've not understood this from ESPN's perspective at all, unless you're just wanting to get McAfee in as a talent and you're accepting that you're going to take this ratings hit from 12 to two, but then you're in the McAfee production business. And then you get like that ability to go to simulcast and you get him on college football and you get hit and you just like get all that buzz based off of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably a lot of that. And then, yeah. So look, I think what it was down 12% from the 12 VM sports center. So I think in an ideal world, it's going to be higher. Yes. But yeah, like, like you just said it, his fan, his fan base, it was pretty big going in and it's still on YouTube. So probably what ESPN was thinking was partly that there's, we have these great first take viewers that it's huge. Stephen A is crushing it. He's bringing in this, all this viewership. But the 12 p.m. Sports Center, what's that really given me? You know, cl- clearly, because Pat, I think the, the stats were that he, he was losing like 40% or 50% of the lead in from first take. But, but even if he, was on, if he was down only 12%, it's not like the 12 p.m. Sports Center was keeping much of the first take audience either. So maybe ESPN goes like, okay, if I bring in Pat, I know for sure on the YouTube show he can generate some revenue for us. Everything else, like you just said, put him into the ESPN ecosystem, get him on college game day. But let's also see if we can expose what we think is a quality show to the first take audience lead in. Maybe over time that can grow. And I do think it, it is fair to give Pat some time because ultimately this is a new type of show. It's not Sports Center. People need to, you know, I think, for example, Pat doing more NBA talk when NBA is about to be. Man, I mean, like for the rest of the the next couple months, NBA is going to be the hot topic. And I think first take is a lot of NBA. So that's why I was very happy to see Pat had for him to see Tyrese Halliburton, to see a great interview with Adam Silver. Pat's going to need more of that. He's going to need more of the NBA fan to stick around as opposed to only NFL. And so if he can if he can show that, then then the show is going to be more successful. So I think it's it's early to judge the show. And I do think Simmons using the TV ratings potentially could be coming back to bite him if and when Pat decides to launch back and he just he just goes with the any given Wednesday take. <laughs> See, I don't even know if, if Mac if he's even aware of what any given Wednesday was. Like someone's gotta go to him, like send him a DM or something, just be like show him some clips and some ratings. Um do you think that Bill has realized that Ryan Rosillo's audience and Pat McAfee's audience like are in near one-to-one. So I don't even say why he's making these complaints when he's benefiting off of that very same audience. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Pro- probably, probably not. Like, like it's gotta be like near one. Like I, I used to listen to Rosillo. I don't really anymore because he, he does so much NBA hamster wheel stuff. And I've also gotten sick of life advice. Uh, but it's like I, I would listen to both those shows. I'm sure I'm not the only person who like is also a McAfee Rosillo person. Interesting. Have uh, have Pat and uh, Rosillo ever done content together? Not that I'm aware of. Um, which is weird because McAfee used to be a Barcelona person, and Rosillo has like that association with PMT. But as far as I know, they've never done like any interaction. 
Yeah, briefly, if if you're familiar with the background, so what happened at Barstool with with Pat that he that was a quick uh, time there, didn't there? Oh, so I'll, I can give a lot of background on this. So how and Portnoy has like given like a ton of background in this too, which is helpful. But he wasn't there very long. He opened up uh, Barstool's Indianapolis office and basis, but like it was really for him. Like they, they wouldn't have gone there otherwise, but he was basically just like, they were like, okay, we can want an office there because we want to be in the Pat McAfee business. And then he went to DAZN, and which was a very short time. Then he went independent and was uh, simulcasting on Sirius on Mad Dog Radio and then had the FanDuel deal, FanDuel deal fall, fell apart now. He, and I I think the FanDuel deal fell apart because partially, I think, so I think McAfee is incredibly ego-driven, um, which you can see with the FanDuel deal because he was very offended that he was not included in the uh, promotion for the Kick of Destiny with Gronk. Okay. Um, and like, this has been like reported by Marshan. So like th- that just stopped me saying that. Uh, but he's very annoyed because like, oh, like you're doing a kicking thing, but I'm not involved in your kicking thing, even though I was a punter. Um, but po- the way Portnoy describes it is basically uh, McAfee learned the tricks of the trade by being associated with Barstool. And then when he learned enough, he felt well enough to go off on his own. And Portnoy, cl- like Portnoy is super jealous. Like he was like went on his personal show when uh, McAfee signed that huge fan duel deal um and was basically like oh like he took all of our sales guys and he took uh you know all of our like spot like he already had those sponsorship associations that he just like pretty much took from us and he learned all this from us and then went off on his own and he was pretending like he wasn't butthurt but he was incredibly butthurt and offended about it uh it was it's a very funny clip like i said it's yeah it's just like go back and see it uh but yeah portnoy was super offended and i think that so i think like he just felt like uh, Mac, we just felt like he had enough to learn on his own. He was getting too big for Barstool. Man, this is so fascinating. I'm, I, I love learning all that, all this from you. I'm sure the listeners will too. There's just so much palace intrigue in these media behind the scenes guys, but obviously Pat's very talented. So I can see both sides. Like I can see where, where Portnoy would say, well, we gave you the platform and you ditched us. But Pat would say, well, I was outgrowing the platform, which, you know, Titus presumably, I don't know if Titus would say he's outgrowing it, but Titus would say maybe he's not not growing as much as he would like to, which he'd also say at the ringer. So, yeah, man, all that stuff's fascinating. Anything more on McAfee, or should we touch on part of my take a bit as well? Um, no, I think we can transition to part of my take. Okay, so part of my take, I, I I've listened to it some. Um, I, I I you are you like a regular listener? Listened before? Like, what's your kind of deal with it now? I've been a regular listener now for about a year and a half. I have essentially replaced uh, my Rosillo content consumption with part of my take. And that's been oh, in like for a year and a half now. Okay. And now how does that also compare to your Bill Simmons pod listening? I, so I do not follow the NBA anymore. I'm like one of those boomer take artists who's like, I absolutely hate the regular season. Like, I don't know if you listened to the Derek Thompson pod that just did, dropped. Yeah. Uh, you, you did listen to it? Yep. So, like, do you remember when they're talking about he and like he's not the only person to talk about it, but he's basically like, I listen to tons of NBA pods, but I do not watch any regular season NBA Absolutely. whatsoever. I I can't get into that type of fandom. Um, like, if I'm listening to pods, it's because I'm watching the sport and I'm really interested in the sport. I don't really like. I can't like separate those two things. It's very entwined for me. Um, and I was was at that point. I'm like, I just don't care about any of this NBA hamster wheel stuff. 
Um, it's not interesting to me anymore. I don't need to be like in July talking about like NBA summer league. I, I just don't care nearly enough, especially because the regular season is so bad. Um, so because of that, like I listened to PMT a few times because like Titus and Rosillo would go on. Um, and they also had like Chris Berman on. They, 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 if anything, like it's like that was um, the guests were what driven me to the pod. Like when they had Stephen A and Chris Berman on. Um, and then from that, I was like, all right, like this, I'm enjoying this. Like it's even less uh, insightful than Bill Simmons. Um, but I'm just enjoying listening to it. It's something fun to put on, like, you know, half listening to it, not really paying attention, like while I'm working or something. Okay. So I absolutely love hearing this because this just, this is proving my argument and the reason I started this podcast in the first place. Bill is turning off long-term listeners. He is focusing way too much on the NBA, way too much on the hamster wheel content. Same thing with Rosillo for what you're saying. And Bill Simmons himself has said this because I'm sure you, you're going to know what I'm going to say next about in the summer during his break, Bill said he was done with NBA hamster wheel content and said, <laughs> it's, you know, I need to take a new direction with the pod. I'll leave these stories for the other pods when they hit, but I want to do different things. And what do we have right as the NBA season starts and even before it, it's pure hamster wheel. So this is not just me, Tribe, hosted the podcast, you know, ranting and raving here or on Twitter or in the sub. It's not just me, folks, who heard it from Jake here as well as other guests we've had in the pod. Bill Simmons is turning off long-term listeners. Yeah, like I've listened to Bill since I was like 15 years old. I'm 29 now. Um, and I, there's so many pods that I'm just skipping because it's like I don't have any interest in hearing about random NBA bullshit uh, in October. No. And and to expand on that point, I listened to one of the recent Rosillo, maybe the Rosillo trade. The two, two Rosillo podcasts stand out here. One was the recent Rosillo trade podcast where – Man, I mean, I'll, I'll watch the occasional NBA game. I mean, I, I would say my, my fanhood for – personally, my fanhood for the NBA is a little bit less than MLB, which are both significantly less than the NFL, whereas I am a Red Sox fan. So, like, you know, I'll watch some of the games, certainly if they're good. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say that I watch more Red Sox if they're good, which Bill Simmons doesn't like saying. But, um, like, if a random MLB game's on, if it's an interesting matchup, maybe I'll, I'll watch it. I'm similar with, with the NBA, um, a little bit like that, but I don't think that there's a huge demo of people that know all of the players that Rosillo and Bill are talking about in this, this like trade deadline thing where they're going like 12 people deep on these rosters. Like, Oh, this is not for the casual NBA NBA fan. And then I would also talk about a podcast from, the summer where I think they did a draft, like they did an expansion draft. And again, they, they're like talking about players that no 90% of the people listening to this podcast have no clue what, who they're talking about. So this is a very big contrast in my opinion. And we can go back and, and check this to, to fact check, but I don't, I don't think uh, I'm talking out of, out of my, out of speed here. Um, this is a different vibe than, Three-man weaves with Steiny Mo and Buker going around the NBA. What are the big storylines? What do you want to hit? Having on Steve Kerr, asking him questions like there's a podcast Bill did 
when the Celtics were maybe like 30 and three the first year of the big three, he has on Steve Kerr and he says, hey, you were on the 96 Bulls. So how does it feel playing for a team that's got the chance to beat the all the all time win record? It's stuff like that that I think even would be interesting for me and you who don't follow the NBA much. It's not what Rosillo and Bill are doing. So like I'm I'm sitting here going, what the heck are these Rosillo and Bill pods going to be like for the next two months? Because I think they they were losing steam and momentum when they did these pods last year. And so I think it could be even worse this year. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. And maybe, maybe on that note, could, could you see Rosillo going to Barstool if he's done with the ringer and Bill Simmons? I know you guys have talked about the prospects of this before, and I I don't think he would. I think he's far too big for the platform. Um, like I know like Barstool has significant cash issues now, which Portnoy has talked about. Um, like there are 12 million in the hole, which I think will be partially alleviated both from uh, their DraftKings deal, which they just signed, as well as this weird like rumble deal that they have, um, where they're, like they're simulcasting stuff on that platform. Um, so I think that will help. I don't think they have enough money. Um, I think their Rosillo's pod is too big. It would be this. It would be the second largest pod on the platform after part of my take. Um, so I don't think that they would be able to afford him. I think the more likely thing would be if he went to Fox Sports. Like I don't or to like FS1. I don't know if you've looked at like their schedule recently on FS1, but their afternoons are god awful. Hmm. Um, like the, have you ever watched like First Things First? Yeah, the one with Wilds. Yeah, the one yeah. Wilds and Nick Wright, right? Yeah, and it's like you could easily just throw Rosillo in after Cowherd show um, and just like have him do – or like have him be part of like do that, have him be part of uh, their pregame show on Fox for college football. I think there's like – he's a great utility player because he can cover a bunch of different things, even have him do some baseball stuff. Um, I think – Fox Sports would be the more natural fit than Barstool, which I don't. I just think he's too big for the platform. That makes a lot of sense. You make a good point with that. I've seen those numbers too, which are terrible for Barstool. I mean, geez, like I guess Penn was letting them do whatever the heck they wanted to. I guess spending wise, that's wild. So yeah, that that makes sense to me. And that, and I think Rosillo might, you know, he he would want to be on TV, right? I mean, why wouldn't you want to be on TV? TV even if you don't love the art of doing TV and getting all made up and everything um, and talking in short sound bites, it's good promotion for the rest of the, the content that you're doing. So yeah, I think I agree with that. And I agree that um, there's first things first, then there's speak. I mean, is are we lining <laughs> up to watch, watch the show speak? I don't think we are. Um, so yeah, there's, there's potentially a fit there. Um all right, that is uh that's that's very interesting. I think I think we've hit these very well. I think listeners will be very intrigued by the Titus McAfee and PMT talk. Should we move on to rewatchables? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I think I want to break this into two parts and and let you go on, on each. Um, because first of all, I've been very consistent on this podcast that I'm not a rewatchables guy, so. If you want to try to convince me of why it's a good pod, I'm down to hear that. And then obviously the second one being you were in the audience for a live rewatchable show. And so I'd love to hear about that. So at either direction you want to take it, um, talk to us about the rewatchables. Yeah. So I think the best defense I can give for the rewatchables is it's also, it's a very similar 
dynamic to wanting to hang like it's a, very much a hangout show um and i think that's the appeal for me of it like it's just hearing people talk about your favorite movies um make dumb comments about it go on dumb tangents about it it's not like some of like there will be a little bit of intelligent discussion which is like what sean and chris ryan are there to offer um but that's not really the appeal for me there's tons of podcasts that do that essentially i just like those personalities um, and I just enjoy hearing them talk about the movies that I've watched. And uh, like, I just want to listen to that. Um, it, it's also useful for just like unearthing and people I know on like the subreddit and I'm not that active on the subreddit. Like it's basically just one of my friends sending me a bunch of different posts on there that he knows like I'd be interested in, but I'm not like trolling the subreddit or trolling it constantly. Um, but I know like they'll always complain about the movie selections and they're completely wrong. Like the movie selections are actually fantastic because they'll unearth, like I know like they come out at Philadelphia, like we can talk about that, but like they'll like uncover, like, like Bill will do Sea of Love, which is not a movie I've ever thought about watching, which is like, this, uh, this crime, essentially like this police procedural crime movie from the mid eighties, which was actually fantastic. It was like with Pacino, I, re- I really recommend watching it. Uh, but like they'll unearth these movies that like you wouldn't think of watching. And, and then it's just really fun to hear them talk about it. Interesting. Yeah, they I, I definitely noticed that. And I do notice sometimes you, you get you get people in the subreddit. And so I figure they probably do listen to the, the rewatchable some that um are taking it way too seriously. So they're going like what like Bill's not offering good analysis on this movie. I can't believe it. And they only know Bill Simmons from the rewatchables as opposed to actually having a podcast on his own. So I, I think that I, I see what you're saying, where if you like the personalities together, it's almost it, it would it be fair to say it's almost less about the movie and it's more about the personalities together. I think that's part of it. And like part of the appeal of Bill Simmons himself is that when he like doesn't like when he misunderstands plot points, I'm like, yes, like we like when Bill is stupid. We like stupid Bill. I don't want smart Bill. Um, I want to hear him like mess up things and talk about absolute nonsense. Like that's half of the appeal for me right there of him. Where do you stand on should he be releasing the movie ahead of time or not? I, I I don't understand like what he's thinking that like you would need like why am I like updating the feed on Tuesday and then like I'm being excited like when I'm, it's like I want him to talk about it on the pod on Sunday especially because I listen to I listen to all the guests aligned so it's like I want him to just be like hey like it's gonna be you know random movie um I re- I'd, I would just much prefer that over like this weird like gimmick that he's doing and then i think like the problem is now it's gotten to the point where we've talked about it so much and even like you know larry david's talking about it um so like, i feel like now he just like needs to keep on the streak of not talking about it just because he knows it annoys us and do you what do you listen to the pod more if he t- if he talked about it ahead of time i will listen to pretty much every any rewatchables episode okay. to the point that like if i haven't seen the movie um, I'll, I'll like watch the movie specifically so I can listen to the pod. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there, there are very much, uh, very much intense fans of this podcast, which leads us into intense fans went to the live show. So yeah. What talk about the energy, the people that you, you, um, you saw there, what was the vibe like, what were the people like in person? Yeah. So, uh, for context, I went to the DC show where they did Forrest Gump, um, it was about a 850 person venue of which it was it sold out within, I don't know, maybe an hour when the tickets were released. Um, I went with a couple friends. We showed up maybe like 
15, 10, 15 minutes before doors open. And there was a line. I think I sent you a photo of it, but there was yeah. like a line wrapping around uh, the block. Um, so tons of people were super excited. It's about like the demographics are about what you would expect. Um, like a bunch of white people in like their mid to early thirties. Um, and then, you know, some variation with that for, for the most part, it was around that. Um, but great vibes. Uh, everyone was like super excited. It wasn't like the subreddit where people were going there to hate him. I think people were there like are genuine fans. Um, and they were just really inter- Like, I think a lot of people are also, um, like Bill Simmons fans as well. Like there was a few people who had like copies of the book of basketball, um, like there was people like wearing like uh, the movie Heat shirts. Um, like people were, were very invested and interested in the general style of the pod and also just the history of the pod. And like House was there, which was really fun to see him. Um, yeah, no, for me, it was an overall great experience because I'm just a huge fan of the pod. Oh, that's awesome. Now, um, did you guys know the movie going in? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Forrest Gump. Okay. Oh, so did um did was that part of the oh we're doing Forrest Gump rewatchables in DC? I yeah, and like there's definitely other obviously there's other movies they could have talked about. I think one reason why they wanted to talk about Forrest Gump is like there's a lot to make fun of with it, and they also enjoy doing impressions of the accent or and you know of how uh, Tom Hanks talked. Um, but yeah, like basically it was because a few of those scenes takes place in DC, so we can call it a DC movie. Who got the most laughs from the audience during the show? Ma- definitely Mallory. And it was because she went on a tangent about uh, oral sex, oh, um, which I and I so I know like you guys go off on Bill from quote unquote making Mallory do this. It's definitely Mallory who is suggested and wants to do this. Like she is the instigator to the extent that like I think some people on the pod like were a little bit like hesitant to have her do it, especially because both of Mallory's parents were there, oh, man. Uh, which, which was which, like, and she, like she mentioned this. So it was, it was really great. Just like seeing all this happen in real time. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely Mallory who is the instigator and wanting to do this. It is not Bill being like Mallory time for you to do the sex talk. Oh, that's great. So now the one, um, when I had somebody on from Rosillo, uh, the Rosillo live show in New York, he said they actually cut, part of uh, uh, the Q&A, like somebody asked the question and that wasn't in the, the final podcast. So was there any any of that, like anything that wasn't from the, the actual feed that might've happened there that was interesting? I, you know, I didn't go back to listen to the podcast, but there was no like Q&A. I don't know like what they would oh. really, if there was like a few things that I could say, like maybe they would take out. Um, but for the most part, there was no, I don't think there was any like large sections that were excised from the podcast. Okay. And then was there an opportunity to chat with any of them after the show? No. And I think people definitely wanted to, because as I mentioned, like people brought books, but there was no opportunity that I was aware of to talk to them after the show. Um, And it's like, I was waiting for an Uber, maybe like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes afterwards. So I like, I was around, but there wasn't any area in which to interact with them. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's, and that's tough because there's so many people there, but yeah, so that's interesting. So basically it was, it was sold out very quickly. I think in a city like DC, it's clearly big enough where you're going to have, I mean, you're going to, you have several million people that could, could potentially be Bill Simmons fans. That's going to work out. I mean, th- this seems like uh like they could keep doing this for a while, probably keep going to these big cities and doing the shows. 
he, he Bill said after the show, like, we'll definitely be back, implying that they'll be back to do another rewatchables uh, live watch. And then he all, I believe he's mentioned recently, like I've been watching those uh, YouTube shorts that he puts out. Um, and I believe on one of them, he mentioned that he's, they're going to do a couple of them in Boston, um, which I, which was curious. I was curious why he hadn't included Boston on the original like mini you know winter rewatchables tour maybe it was because like it didn't align with uh, zoe's soccer schedule or something um but yeah no they're definitely going to do more of these i think this is a big revenue generation area for them um because it's super cheap to do and like obviously there's a ton of demand for it yeah and it, and i've talked in this pod before about how i as a bs pod listener well somewhat now um and not a rewatchables guy I feel disappointed that he does the live rewatchables and not BS pods. And I wonder why he's doing that. But I guess if I'm being honest with myself, I do understand if you do the live rewatchables, you ha- he has the group with him. You can joke around during it. You have people to riff off of. It's a little bit harder to only do the BS pod. You have to get guests of celebrities, athletes and whatnot. So I guess I, the, I do understand it from the perspective of it's easier to do a live rewatchables than do a live BS pod. Although hell, if you know, in Boston, fuck it, do go there for a weekend trip, do a live rewatchables one night and then do a, do a Boston podcast with uh, Damon Affleck and your dad or something and do that for a BS pod the next night or something. So I guess I- I'm wondering bill, like why aren't you doing live BS pods? I don't know. I don't know why he's not like, it would be super easy to like do like a Jason Tatum, like Boston pod. There you um, go, maybe, I don't know. Like, it's like worried about like being heckled or something. Like, I don't know why he has no interest in doing them. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's actually a good point because the, at least with the rewatch. Yeah. It's like, if you're listening to the rewatchables, y- you are a pretty decent bill fan as opposed to, if you're only listening to the BS pod and you've, you're not listening to the rewatchables, maybe there would be, but I don't know. But then, yeah, because then we're kind of getting into how aware is Bill Simmons of some pockets of the internet. <laughs> I would put my Twitter account in as well as the sub. Like, is he, is he aware that there's pockets of the internet which are really critical of him? I don't know. <laughs> I, I always wonder how tuned in he is to internet discussions. Like, because he talks about going on Reddit, you know, like he loves our conspiracy. Um, there's no way he has not wandered over to the subreddit dedicated to him and seeing what people are talking about. Yeah, I think that's right. And then the the time that he hit on JJ Reddick, that tweet had a, it was a screenshot of awful announcing article. So I went back and confirmed that. So he's on awful announcing, and awful announcing writes about Bill a lot these days, oftentimes using my tweets in their <laughs> articles when I have the sound bite. So I mean, I'm sitting here thinking. He probably is aware that there's a podcast called the Arville Simmons podcast. I'm not sure what he's doing with it, but he's, he's he has to be at least somewhat aware of what's going on, I think. Well, and, and you said he blocked your account, right? Yeah, but that was that was or that was in January or early February before the pod got got I mean, I was getting 10 to 15 listens at that point versus a thousand now. And that was before um I just criticized him on TV. I, I was just like, why Bill Simmons didn't succeed on TV? And 
he just immediately blocked me because of that. So, <laughs> so I mean, that was my look. That I, I was in a rush. I I tweeted something under his tweet to like advertise and promote the pod, and I had done that a couple times before without issue. But I think because in that tweet I had said like, "Hey, we we exploit, we talk about why Bill Simmons." didn't succeed on tv i think you probably just saw that and was like eh, blocking this guy yeah like i have no need for this in my life yeah which which to be like i criticize bill a lot in the pod but like honestly like i totally get the block i'm not hating on him blocking me because i i have other twitter accounts and i'll block people i'll probably block i've blocked people on the arbo simmons pod account what why not because ultimately yeah you don't if you don't want to have to deal with people you don't deal with people now what i make fun of is when he says he doesn't check his mentions which which is obviously bullshit because he checked it enough to block me. Oh yeah, no, he's absolutely checking his mentions. Like when he's watching football on Sunday, like with his you know twenty different screens, like he's absolutely scrolling through Twitter and just seeing what people are talking about. And I'm sure he clicks over to his uh, notifications. Has to be, has to be. Um. All right, so I want to talk about now. I can die in peace, but I think before we do that. You have a game idea, which I'm excited for. I think this is going to be fun. So why don't you uh, why don't you start with the game idea? Yeah, so I listened to a bunch of old uh, guest aligned pod, which I will do kind of regardless. I kind of just enjoy like hearing like what you know Bill was talking about in 2012 or whatever. Uh, but I listened to a bunch of them. And I got a selection of excerpts, which I want you to try to guess what year it's from. The central thesis of this is that Bill has always been stupid and there is no such thing as Nadir Canyon. My, like you are just, you meaning both you yourself tribe as well as just the general listener is a much smarter and savvier uh, sports watcher. And so they think Bill has gotten stupider, but Bill has stayed exactly the same. It's you that has changed. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> this is gonna be great all right uh i got one here and so bill is saying about a quarterback looked a little romo-ish a kind of whiff of romo from him uh this this is about a still active qb who has a a career record of 30 and 36 when did bill say it Oh, a little Romo-ish. 30 and 36, so 76, six, uh, 66 games. So he's been playing. So a little Romo-ish to me, I feel like. So Romo's been retired now for five or six years. So maybe it was soon after Romo. Maybe maybe it was like two years after Romo retired. So, so it, it's not, it's not it, yeah. It is, so it's not about Romo. Um, so you want to say two years after Romo retired? So what did Romo maybe retire in like 2017, 2018? He called the 2019 champion. He's been commentating for CBS since 2017, I think. Okay, yeah. So if he's been comment, I'll go 2019. 2019. Uh, Bill said this in 2013. Do you want to try to guess about who he said it about? Oh, in 2013. Let's see. Ooh, a little, a little Romo-ish. Okay, so it was during Romo active said that let's see oh so he was 30 and 36 at the time when he said it no this qb is 30 and 36 now so still active oh interesting um <laughs> i mean it can't be josh it can't be josh freeman because he's not active still um i i'm 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 left for a blank here i got i, I don't know he was saying it about case keenum 
<laughs> oh man. Oh man, a little Romo ish. Oh, that's great. All right. Uh, I got another one here. Uh, this is a game that will be decided by a dumb moment that has nothing to do with the talents of either team. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, this is definitely, yeah, this, this sounds like one that could have been said at any time. So in, in the, na in the nature of the game, assuming it was, uh, I'll, I'll go like 2012. Uh, this was November 10th, 2009. <laughs> Nice. And th this is actually an interesting episode to go back and listen to. In the first two minutes, uh, he says that he did not look at the matchups this week before doing guest aligns. Um, and then he confuses the difference between Mensa and Rhodes Scholars. And he calls them like Mensa Scholars. <laughs> I'm great. Uh, this is an important episode, though, because this is when Cousin Sal uh, coins Loser Leaves Town match. So for oh. all you historians out there, this is a very important episode. Wow. I, I got to go back and listen. November 9th, you said? Or, no, November 10th. November 10th, 10th 2009. 2009. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is very interesting. Okay. All right. Want another? Sure. Uh, I could see a real shitty Rogers season. There's a lot of tea leaves towards the Rogers. There's a lot of stats towards the last couple of years where you do the thing where you put all the numbers, then you put someone else's numbers. <laughs> okay now was th was this uh was this bill or sal this was bill these are all bill okay because i but i could see him playing off sal potentially i remember there being one i remember there being a sal comment one year where maybe it was after rogers had gone like six and six and was injured and rogers was like hey if you if you look back or sal was like if you look back at rogers last couple of years he's been a 500 quarterback and he hasn't been good and then that season he did great so rogers year yeah i'll go maybe like 2015 ish time frame uh this was september 9th 2020 which if you remember rogers 2020 seasons he has one of the greatest seasons the quarterbacks ever had wow man so he okay so now when you were doing this was was the pacing different because they were they were they were not as lengthy episodes, right? Yeah, so like if you go back and look in like 20, 2009, 2010, they're 40 minute episodes. They're maybe, you know, they're talking a little bit of what they did that weekend um, and like what they did on Sunday. So it's like maybe like Bill's talking about when he went to Corolla's house to watch. Um, and then they're doing guest lines, but they're not really even like they're just talking about their bets. They're not really doing any analysis of the games themselves or talking about players or different movements. It's very abbreviated compared to like what it turns into, you know, when it's like an hour 40. So the, my general idea is like Bill's not gotten stupid or he just has a lot longer of episodes and the stupidity is just a lot more prevalent because they're longer. Mm, yeah. So it's almost like because it's 40 minutes versus an hour 40, we're basically getting the worst hour. We're getting a worse hour added on to what, was originally just 40 minutes see for you it's a worse hour but for me like i love stupid bill like i want to hear more of bill saying absolute nonsense it's, it's part of why i listen to the podcast. i just love him sputtering on about nothing yeah true although yeah i've i've learned to and I, I used to get more annoyed by it but i've learned to uh to embrace it a little bit more and kind of like listening to bill in parody mode all right, so I, guess... I, have, I have one more that's very that's very good. All right, nice. Um, the, he says, this is stupid, 
But something I look for when a team is a legitimate contender or not, their sideline is really into it. Every time we, every time we had that game, somebody was popping somebody, jumping up and down and going crazy. Maybe they lucked out with that coach. I thought that was a terrible hire, but it seems like that team is all on the same page. Oh man, dude, that that is an absolute classic, man. Yeah, I I could see I could see him saying that at any point, man. That's so funny. All right, this one he said on uh, November twenty fourth, twenty ten. Which he's talking about, um, Raheem Morris, who, uh, yeah, yeah, and so he's Bill like went on to talk about how he thinks like this Bucks team is going to go on a deep run. They went on, they went three and three, finished the season ten and six, didn't make the playoffs. Then he goes like four and twelve the next season and gets fired. Oh, that's amazing! All right, so then maybe if I'm listening to these, and I I do want to go back and at least listen to the um to the loser leaves town. So maybe it is more of a it's it's less about the content. Maybe maybe I'm more annoyed at at the tone. I feel like I feel like he's gotten more arrogant with his takes over the years. So maybe that's what's really getting me. Is he more arrogant? I don't know. Like I feel like he's always been kind of arrogant, especially since he's been very wealthy. Um, I feel like ever since he moved to LA, he's been arrogant. I think I think there needs to be a, a re-listenable, a re-listenables of a, of a uh, a key guest alliance episode. So maybe maybe you have to come back and do a do a re-listenables from from uh, Bill's old archives. <laughs> yeah, that's just what that's just what the audience is looking for. I think they'll I think they'll be they'll be happy with yeah. uh with the outcome of this game for sure. Yeah, that's great. I yeah I I mean I man I used to be just so in love with guest alliance he was the highlight of, of the at least of the first part of the week knowing that was coming and it, it's just been tougher for me recently so yeah me, the length the pacing's worse i think they talked too much about their previous week as opposed to more in the games and yeah i mean look i i'll admit i i've i've thought that they used to know the league more so you know maybe maybe they did maybe they didn't I don't. I don't. Th- I think that they're following it at the exact same pace and depth that they always have. Like I don't like Bill. Like will sometimes cite DVOA. I don't think he could actually explain to you what DVOA is. Um, I think they're like he's not like going in and you know like watching what is it all twenty four. Um, like he's not like you know doing X's and O's and watching these clips. He's watching the games and he's giving you just like his observations of what he's seen of watching these games. Yeah. Um, all right, that was fun. I think uh, I think people will get a kick out of that. Um, now I can die in peace. Yeah, let's touch on that. To, so, so to give a brief intro to the listeners about it, it's it's Bill's baseball book he wrote before the book of basketball. It was based on essentially almost all Red Sox columns from probably 1999 through 2004. And I think that this is probably part of the reason why you can't find, I don't think at least the Red Sox columns on his archive at ESPN.com is because they're all in the book. He touched them up like the book of basketball. There's tons of footnotes, which I think probably going to get into some of them. So yeah, this is, and this is like pure, pure Bill Simmons because the book of basketball, yes, it does take from, some of his columns, but this was additional Bill Simmons writing 
um, but for for the most part, what you're getting in in the book of uh, what you're getting in the red in the Red Sox book is is just Bill, extreme sports fan, writing like Bill Simmons, trying to make a name for himself, and then the Red Sox obviously doing this incredible 2004 run after an incredibly bitter 2003 run. So just um, amazing book, and uh, I'm so glad that we finally have somebody on the pod to talk about it. So. Yeah, what did what did you uh, make about it? Because you just recently read this, correct? Right. Yeah. So I had not read it at all um, until like you had mentioned it a few times on the pod, and I was like, I'm really like you know fiending for uh, for Bill's writing, and it's just it would be a good time, especially like it's out of baseball season, so like it would, you know I'm a huge baseball fan, and so it's just a good time to you know dig into that. Um, re- really, really loved it. Really enjoyed it. It's, I mean, it's exactly what I would expect. Cause I've been a Bill Simmons reader, uh, for, or I was, you know, 20 years, close to 20 years ago. Um, so I, I obviously loved it. And yeah. And how much of a baseball fan are you? So like, did you, do people need to be a big baseball fan to like it? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of jokes, but I, um, I wanted when growing up, I wanted to be a baseball writer um and i still follow the sport it's the second i probably follow nfl a little bit more closely now but and mlb is a very close second so i'm 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 watching maybe 100 yankee games a year i'm a yankee fan so i'm watching maybe 100 of those a year nice yeah i i actually yeah i agree with you i don't i think as long as you just have an understanding of baseball it's less about baseball and it's more about bill's journey from this Red Sox fan who's gone through a lot, you know, it, he uses the Andy in Shawshank that he, he went through all this shit and then they finally arrived at the 04 championship. So I think it's more about that. And it, it's very, it's witty writing. It's fun. Uh, a lot of jokes and footnotes about Bill's time and Holy Cross. So why wouldn't you want to read this if you're a Bill Simmons fan? Right. And I, yeah, it's very much like a human story of just like being passionate about something and then, you know, following this thing for X amount of years, then having a significant payoff with it. Um, I, I think it's applicable to pretty much anyone as long as like you have at least some grounding in baseball knowledge. Yeah, yeah no, totally agree. Yeah. So what did what did you think of some of the some of his more classic footnotes in it? I, I love them. Uh, I think that like you could possibly assemble like what not to do in your dating life simply just based off of these footnotes. Like if you wanted to develop like a dating guide, um, like he admits at one point I'm on page, I'm reading from the, uh, from the 2009, like extended version, which includes like a few more columns that he printed afterwards. Uh, but like one footnote here on page 63, he talks about uh, how you can watch uh, some of a Red Sox game through a hole in a wall um, from the left field wall, and he admits that he did this once on a date, which is one of the worst things. Like, and, and, which is one of the worst dates like I could possibly imagine. Oh, that's great! I think, yeah. <laughs> he yeah. also so he also mentions about how you need to fight with your wife occasionally just to mix things up. Uh, great advice all around. Well, yeah, that, that, that's always like, you know, he, so he, he, he has stuff like that. And then he, he makes the pulling, pulling the goalie joke in the book of basketball, which, which we all still don't really know. There's, there's several different theories about how he actually did it, but it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, but it, is he really actually following his own advice here, or is he magnifying the stuff by so much and just to make it make it a fun story? Right. Yeah. Like, like how much of this is actually real? Like, you can like he's definitely like diving into um like the postmodern literature that was very popular at the time, where you're kind of blending fact and fiction, and you're inserting yourself a lot more into the story, and like you have like pretty much no pretense of objectivity. Like, that's very much like what's going through this. And this is the one where he talks about he it he regrets going to a cold weather college, correct? Yeah. So in his in his first well, in his first footnote, he addresses specifically in you know going on former uh body count uh talk with Bill. He mentions uh in his first footnote in the in the whole book, imagine being stuck at an all-male school in 20-degree weather. Yikes. If you're scoring at home, Holy Cross finally started admitting women in 1972, although they didn't start admitting women who put out until 1999. <laughs> Which is, I don't even know how he would possibly make that observation. Like, is he going to campus and, like, you know, talking with, like, you know, 19, 20-year-olds at bars, being like, hey, like, uh, women putting out now? Well, Back in and- my day. And and that's exactly it, it's it's him saying that the AIDS crisis was the reason he didn't get laid in his twenties, which is a, which is a great like explanation for if you weren't getting laid, like you need like some explanation other than like I have no like social awareness and um like somewhat narcissistic as an only child, and I really didn't have any way of relating to women. And is this um I forget if this is this book or the book of basketball when he talks about he couldn't guess the weight of girls be- between like 30 pounds because of all the clothing they were wearing. Oh yeah. No, I think he does talk about that in here and he's like, <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's just like completely, uh, he's trying to like make it like if he's completely oblivious to these things. Um, and this dating life in general, it just has a significant amount to explore. If only like he gave us a little bit more information on it. Yeah. I mean, I look, I'll, I'll I mean, I went to a cold weather college and I, I really don't think that I was ever annoyed that I couldn't guess the body weight of women I was passing by. <laughs> that just never, I mean, it didn't cross the mind, I don't think. The, the, this wasn't a top of your mind as you're just, you know, walking to, uh, to your, uh, you know, American history to 1865 class. Yeah, and it's like, where, Bill, where are where are you at parties, man? Like, you're only seeing women in in uh, bulked up coats the entire time you're at college. <laughs> and there's there's a funny um, I, I mean, there's he Bill has this um on Instagram. He took a photo of his dorm room. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, is that the one with Jacko? Um, it's a different one, but yeah, the Jacko one's there. But basically, the the dorm room is covered in basketball posters from head <laughs> to toe. <laughs> so people are like, "Hey, maybe that wasn't the best um, room for having girls back." <laughs> no, it, 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 he had no awareness of any of these, like of any of these things. He's absolutely just acting like of what, like what he thought was cool. Yeah, let me. I th- I think this is the this is the book of basketball, but I have I have this here that basically, um, for him and Magic Johnson, yeah. So this so basically Magic Johnson gets HIV. 
he says the relentless campaign against HIV inadvertently hampered the sex lives of all red-blooded American males between the ages of 18 and 40 for the next eight years. For the first four years, everyone was terrified to have unprotected sex unless they were shit-faced. For the next four, the guys weren't terrified, but the girls still were, still were, although it's possible they were just out of shape and didn't want us to see them naked. don't really putting on a fantastic performance there uh it's it's just too good and then yeah so of course um yeah he says the paris hilton britney spears era and he's like of course i was married by then awesome thanks for ruining my 20s magic so (laughs) it's entertaining like you gotta go people you gotta go out and read this because it's fun to read yeah, no, it, it's it's great content. Like, I really enjoyed reading it. Like, I read the book of basketball. I made my um, grandmother uh, get it for me when it came out. And she was like, why am I spending $30, $35 on this? Because, like, she knew, like, a little bit about that. It was like, it contains stuff like this. I was like, no, like, it's great. Like, you just, you just got to let me read it. Like, look how long it is. Like, I'm going to get so much out of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking. I'm, I, I read that from a tweet, and I was looking at someone's comment that said, um, the girls were out of shape and didn't want to be seen naked. I got to remember that one. So it's like, yeah, you're talking with your buddies like, man, dude, you, you know, you haven't gotten laid in a while. And you're like, yeah, man, the girls I was talking to, they're just out of shape. Didn't want to be naked. <laughs> it's too good, man. And this, this is the Bill Simmons that people just, if you're a recent listener of this guy, this guy's got a history and you got, you got to go back and look at the history. Well, like you, and you wouldn't think so because he's such a family man now. So, like, you wouldn't think this stuff would exist. It's so good. Yeah, I, I mean, you obviously see in my tweet the rereadables out there, and a lot of times people, people are just shocked. They had no idea that he wrote stuff like this. Oh yeah, no, he, he I, and it's amazing that like the New York, like when like the New York Times like wrote on him, you know, that big uh, article on race, and it was like didn't mention at all like any of this like prior stuff which could easily be read as being misogynistic like they i i guess they didn't like do any research on it or really cared no and they could they could have done the lebron uh there's a bunch of lebron stuff there's lebron 2010 decision about not having a father and being narcissistic there's lebron 2003 nba draft diary um not so great things and then there's also i've uncovered the 1999 draft diary which was even more intense and could have easily been used in that article um you know and they just didn't yeah yeah so i wonder if if the reason why is they just had no idea or it was just hey we're we're making the point we want to make anyway we don't need anything more yeah one thing i definitely wanted to talk about with you with the book is i don't know if you remember i don't know how long it's been like since you've read it but a significant theme of it is he's complaining a ton about fenway and he keeps talking about how they need to build the new stadium which just holds up horrifically now like looking back on it i yeah i definitely remember that yeah and doesn't he reference his back hurts and he also references he's like why is it more comfortable? It's a more pleasant experience watching my team play in an away game or at Yankee Stadium because Fenway's so bad. Yeah, like he's complaining about how the seats like aren't good, so like he's always having like shove his feet, like and he's complaining about how, he thinks that the place is haunted, and this is part of why they haven't won in a while, you know, in forever. Um, 
And, like, he just completely ignores, like, any, like, the type of history involved there. And, you know, now, like, this holds up terribly because obviously they renovate Fenway and, you know, the Cubs renovate Wrigley. And now everyone talks about how great these renovated uh, stadiums are versus, like, Yankee Stadium, which they, you know, knock down and build a new one. Um, Which now, you know, all the Yankee fans hate the current Yankee Stadium. They're like, we wish that we had this old stadium back. You know, and what that what that reminds me of too is I, I was reading some of his old uh, Patriots columns from the Digital City Boston days. So, like the same time frame would have been ninety eight, ninety nine, where and the Patriots they weren't they didn't win a Super Bowl, obviously, but like Bill Simmons, he he probably refers to Pete Carroll's Frito in the in the the Red Sox book because there was probably something about the Patriots in there. Um, but he was very anti Carroll and the Patriots in the late nineties. But if you go and check the record, like he, he wasn't that bad of a coach. The Patriots did fine. So I, I think what we, what we witnessed with bill as he was kind of making a name for himself growing up um, in the late, late, late nineties, part of, part of his attitude of uh, for sports maybe was, that his teams hadn't won in a while. But then I think if you mix that together with he wasn't getting where he wanted to in his career and maybe personal life too, based on these dating stories. So you throw that cocktail all together and he's writing from kind of an angry place. So we're like, Hey, the Red Sox are pretty good, but I fucking hate Fenway or, you know, the Patriots are making the playoffs, but this coach has no idea what he's talking about. And so maybe we got a lot of that and that allowed him and gave him the energy to to put out these incredible pieces and have this amazing Red Sox book filled with old columns. But there's some bite there that I don't think I, I mean, we do not get that bite now with the way his life's gone and the way that his teams have won. Yeah. He's, and again, as you've talked about in the past, like a significant amount of, uh, how he built his career was on kind of this, like suffering, um, dejected sports fandom, um, and like all of the pain and misery that comes with like having a team that like, is cu- always comes close but is never is actually able to uh, reach a championship. Um, and I, it's definitely involved. Like it, it definitely reads through in a lot of this, like this suffering. Uh, but he definitely, but he uses like that emotion to write really really fun and great columns so it does work in his favor overall yeah so i I would say for anyone listening i i don't think you need to be a diehard baseball fan you need to be a moderate baseball fan and if you're a bill simmons fan the columns are are outrageously entertaining funny uh emotional sometimes when they actually win if you're if you're listening to bill simmons at all like you got to go out and get this book and you can i'm sure you can get it for cheap these days but since it's so old oh yeah i bought this book for like three dollars okay perfect yeah so i so i I don't have advertisements on this podcast but the the, this is an advertisement that i'm not getting paid for to go out and buy now i can die in peace so the here are you happy bill i'm having people buy real stuff (laughs) doing some good advertising for oh this is this is a great footnote this is on page 40 footnote 60 uh two nights before i'm i'm like 
abbreviating part of it. Uh, two nights before, we met a female for drinks who brought a girlfriend with her who wasn't wearing any underwear. Jacko realized this because we were sitting in uh, one of those giant booths and the girl was sitting across from him, spread eagle. So he elbowed Tim for confirmation. Not only did Tim confirm, he admitted later, you could even see a little gobbler. I just remember being furious that nobody told me until after the fact. In fact, we instituted a rule after this. If it ever happened again, someone at the table had to say code red. Anyway, after uh, Macmore was being carried off the field, Jacko said, I can't believe that. That's the most unbelievable thing I've seen all weekend. And Tim House quickly responded, no way. I'm still going with the girl with no underwear. When they do a sports century about Camden Yards, I just hope I have a chance to tell that story. Please tell the story when they do a sports century, which doesn't exist anymore on Camden Yardsville. I'm sure the ESPN audience would love it. That's great. That reminds me of him naming barstool chairs after baseball players. Oh, yeah. No, he does do that. I, I, I can't remember where, but he does do that in the book at some point. Yeah. So, so what is it? Basically, he, he's talking about his bartending days, and he goes, like, me and, me and the fellow guys, what we would do is we would have we would name we would have the the bar stool so that if a woman came in we could describe her without talking about her so they would be like or we could describe her in front of her without her knowing yeah doesn't he use the example of mo vaughn he's like oh number nine little little um little mo vaughn like or something Act, oh, I, I so funny enough, I, I have like a few like notations in here and I notated that one so I can read it in full. It's uh, oh, footnote perfect. 107 on page 67. Um, out of all my friends, the J-Bug, real name Jason Buggy, makes the most appearances in this book. We became friends when we were bartending together in Charlestown, where we named every stool at our bar after an athlete so we could talk about the customers, even if they were five feet away. For instance, if there was a half-decent girl sitting in number 42, Movon's seat, Bug would be uh, cleaning a wine glass and casually saying, Billy, what do you think of Movon this season? Followed by my saying something like, I'm a little worried about the extra weight, but I think we can get something out of him. That would they would have no idea what was happening, and yes, these are the things that eventually come back to haunt you when God is deciding should I give him a son or daughter. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> oh man, yeah, people got people got to get this. People got to get this. That's yeah, no, there's there's really some great stuff in here. Like this is very classic vintage Bill in a lot of this. Yeah, I've um just like I've done with the book of basketball, I've definitely like had that and just if I like I'll reread, I've reread some of those sections or some columns so many damn times. Like the um the the wedding weekend with the Stoner's wedding weekend. Yeah. That's a great one. God. Man. Good. Well, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, I'm pumped we got somebody else. I think I I legitimately think you are the only one out of all the episodes I've done. So we're, I'm in the mid sixties now and I've done some solos. So maybe, maybe out of 40 to 45 guests, you've been the only one to, to read. Now I can die in peace. I mean, no, I'm, and I'm very glad I did it. it I, I, I enjoyed my entire time reading it. Step up your game. Uh, our guest <laughs> pod, uh, guests. Like if you're, if you want to be a guest on a future show, man, read the, read the book. We need you. Um, yeah. Study your history here, guys. I know, seriously. All right, I want to be respectful of your time and the audience's time, so I want to I want to finish up with Ringer. Is Bill actually good at his job? Um, but beyond before that, anything else we need to hit on before we do that final one? Um, do you also want to hit on if Bill's going to retire or not? 
Per yeah, perfect. Let's do let's do both of this. Okay. I I don't think he's going to retire. He, he this is a man who has no hobbies outside of working and sports media consumption. What is he going to be doing if he is retired? He's going to be doing the exact same things he would be doing otherwise. Like at like in October and September, like at the beginning of NBA season, he's going to call up house and they're going to do NBA over unders for three hours, regardless of if it's being recorded or not. So from his perspective, he's going to be like, well, if I'm going to be doing this anyway, because this is pretty much my whole life, I might as well make millions and millions of dollars off of doing it. I like that. I like that idea. I, I posed, well, someone in the subreddit posed the question today. I think Bill's serious about quitting in a year. Got a lot, I posted it on Twitter, so I got a lot of comments. I like it. It, it gels with, because I've, I've been having this conversation a lot recently, and it, it gels with the idea that I think, I think Simmons doing three shows a week and kind of running on that hamster wheel Maybe that's a bit much, right? Like may, maybe the reason he's doing – well, I think that the reason he's doing that is because he has to for the contract. But if, if you remove the Spotify contract, potentially if he's just doing it on his own, maybe he does one pod a week or two pods a week. Or if he does three, they're not an hour and 40 minutes or two hours each. So to me, that kind of gels with the idea that, okay, if he does guess the lines, you know, for example, in the fall and then – he just shoots the shit uh, beyond that NBA and stuff. Like you said, with house, like his buddies, that's a pod. He's going to be making a bunch of money for it, but he's not going to be doing all of what he's doing now. So I think to me, that is, if we're thinking of like the, of various things he could do him cutting back on the pods a little bit, but not entirely quitting to me is more likely than entirely quitting because yeah, to your point and to what a lot of people have been saying, today in, in the sub and over the course of just just general conversation about this topic it, it it's it's tough it's tough to give up talking about that and it's tough to give up the influence that you have by running uh, a huge podcast i mean he's still i think the new heights is, has taken this over the kelsey brothers one but if we take that out it's still part of my take number one and bill sim is number two so you you can talk you can bullshit about the nba for an hour with your buddy and get paid a ton of money for it and still be one of the top podcasts in the world probably makes sense to keep doing it. So I, I agree. I think um, him hanging it up for good to me doesn't make sense, but I, what, what do you think about an augmentation of maybe him doing a little bit less? I, I think that's a lot more likely, especially because like, we saw over the summer where he took that break. Um, I could see him going to two pods a week, especially when he's not in NBA season. Um, like I see maybe like if he want like during NBA season when NFL is also going on, like, Oh, I want three pods. Cause I need one NFL, one NBA, one miscellaneous. Um, but I definitely could see him moving to like at, at certain points a two pod a week, especially cause it, like, it, it kind of shows through like a lot of the pods will be kind of like, ah, I'm just like throwing this shit out there. Like, I don't really care that much. Like I just need to put out context. I have this contract saying I need to put out a certain amount of pods, you know, per year. Um, so I think that's a lot more likely. Yeah, agreed. I think I think that would work better. And and frankly, I think if the pods are higher quality, you might even have some some older fans maybe coming back and saying, "Hey, like, I'll if if he's not you know doing all this NBA hamster wheel content, maybe I'll come back." So I I like that. But then this so this also transitions to 
okay, so if you did that at Spotify, then they probably have to change the contract some, which they're already it, they're already doing with Rogan. They already changed Rogan's contract in a variety of ways. Obviously, the their, his content is going to be non-exclusive anymore. But in the article from the Wall Street Journal, which I touched on in this pod, but you know I believe to be the case, why not? It's more of a pay-for-play share in the rewards, lower guaranteed, but higher potential money if the pod succeeds. So Spotify could do that with him. The question then would be what happens to the ringer here? And from the context of, for, on one hand, as you sent me the Ver- Verge article, as has been discussed in the Wall Street Journal too, from Spotify's podcasting strategy, the ringer collectively has been seen as a strength, at least compared to other stuff they've done. But then I would also have the counterpoint, which is I don't know how this website is even making money these days based on the way written word digital media is going. So I've always kind of thought what might happen if, if he stays at Spotify, the website either gets downsized or go or leaves altogether and that maybe – you wouldn't necessarily have a hundred people working at the ringer anymore. You'd have less than that, maybe not 70 podcasts, maybe, maybe fewer than that, but Bill and his core group of guys stay there, but open to uh, hearing what your thoughts are on that. I, Cause I know you've like, I think you talked about it with smug, um, like a little bit about like how many podcasts there are at the ringer, which I think, might be an asset more than you're thinking that it is because I think these pods are very, very cheap to make. Um, and so if you're hitting, like if you have these pods that are hitting on very niche and particular interests, like I know they're doing a lot of more of those um, city-based pods. And I think they're, so they're very cheap to do. And if you can target this particular audience, I think that's also a lot more attractive to advertisers if they know more like what this demo- like this particular demographic of this audience, so they're able to target spe- very specific things to them. Um, so I think it's attractive on that vertical. I also think just generally like you want all of these podcasts because it's you're able to have this huge stable of which like you can cr- you're essentially doing cross selling of all these different types of podcasts that you're interacting with. And like, like I, it's very similar with Barcel. Like Barcel has a fuck ton of podcasts. Um, and you kind of like get sucked into that ecosystem once you start listening to one. So I think the way the ringer views all these different podcasts is Bill's pod and maybe also Ryan's pod acts as like this centralizing clearinghouse where then they advertise all these like, you know, other pods that you might be interested in. And then like you branch off of that and then you're following these people on Twitter and then, okay, like I'm interested in this episode that Ryan Goff is doing on, um, you know, something on Philly or whatever. Um, or, Oh, like I'm interested in this movie that three watchables are doing. And I think all these different podcasts then in collective help them make a lot more money because they're able to just have these different offshoots and keep people in this ecosystem. Interesting. So you would, so your prediction potentially would be not much changes uh, with, with the ringer and Spotify. Well, I prediction wise, it probably wouldn't change that much. Like I don't make, maybe they get rid of like, you know, they do a general like clearing of like the worst performing podcast, but even then like 
a bunch of these podcasts are hosted by people who then appear on other podcasts. And so it's helping generate content for things that they're not like directly responsible for. So it's helpful to have all these people part of that team because then you're able to generate a lot more, you get quote unquote, you know, synergies based on having all these people and they're able to generate different kinds of content on different podcasts. Yeah. And then I do wonder how this ringer union situation might play out here too, because I'm, I'm looking at them just tweeted a day ago in just two weeks, our contract will expire. So they did do, they formed and they got a contract took a while um, and they were tweeting about it a lot a few years ago. So I'm, I'm curious if this is going to be influencing what um, is eventually going to be kind of the game plan for the ringer going forward, because, you know, cl clearly if, if they get what they want, it'll cost more. And so I guess I'm, you know, the, the I'm curious of like, how does the ringer union contract line up with Bill's contract? Can there be a ringer? without bill if he leaves it and, and so like to me that's going to be so interesting when bill's contract is up presumably the next year you know is is it going to be grantland type situation where if bill left then the website is shut down a few months after or are we potentially going to see the ringer branding for years even if bill simmons leaves like to me this is just it's so fascinating what's actually going on here yeah, I'm really not sure what they would do if Bill left because they obviously own the brand and the brand is somewhat known. Um, the, I, I don't know. I guess the website mostly just acts as like an advertising source for the podcast because I, I'm assuming like the, the website's probably losing money. I cannot imagine it's making money. Um, but they basically just imagine it as this loss leader where then they're able to funnel all these people to different podcasts and from that they're able to uh, generate a lot more revenue. Um but yeah, I don't really know what would happen if Bill left. I imagine the ringer would probably continue existing because he's not going to be able to, like, if he does start something new, which I'm not really sure what he would do. But if he did start something new, he's not going to be, be able to take everyone with him. He's going to take a, you know, a select few people and then try to get newer talent because it's going to be a lot cheaper to do that. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's very, it's very, it would be very up in the air if he ended up leaving. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be totally fascinating. I'm I'm very curious to see how it all shakes out. Do you think you think his contract expires soon? I think in 2025. Yeah. Okay. So we'll find that we'll find out very soon if he's actually going to leave or not. Yeah, I think the <clears throat> I heard it on a, a podcast he did early 23, and then there was another clip as well in a podcast maybe like a month ago where he said, "Yeah, like in a year the contract's up." So the expectation is that. Five years post Spotify deal, which was was early 2020, his contract would be up. But I mean, hell, we, we might get tomorrow. Well, you know, somebody's going to come out and say Bill Simmons agrees to long term deal with Spotify, and yeah, same the same kind of vein with Rogan. Like, hey, we're we're it's a different type of deal. It's less money up front, but it's more incentives. And I mean, that could that could happen at any point. Do you think then that potentially Bill saying that at the end of um? The last guest aligns that like they're going to stop doing it and that's kind of just like gamesmanship on his part to try to get a better deal i mean i think you'd be really smart yeah i mean if i'm if i'm simmons i'm doing i mean i was just listening to a podcast he did with rosillo in 2013 and he was talking about how um like yeah like paul pierce is on a contract here he's going to play better 
because he's talking to the Celtics that year. So yeah, yeah like Bill Simmons, he's the king of if he's on a he he has talked about basketball players playing better on contract years. Absolutely, it, yeah. So if I'm if I'm Bill Simmons, I'm dangling the prospect of either leaving or retiring. Absolutely, and there was a time a couple years ago when. Man, somebody asked him a bunch of questions about audio, and he was so complimentary of Apple. And I was thinking in my head, is he saying this because he wants to negotiate with Spotify to get a higher position either at Spotify or get a new contract, or else he'll go to Apple? So I think that's in the table. And then even I think SiriusXM could be in the table. They just did that big deal with the SmartList guys. I think, I think that means that I think the podcast, the Smartless podcast, will still be widely distributed. But I think the difference is that Siri is going to SiriusXM is going to get um, most of their back catalog. Which I guess you could think maybe those pods are a little bit more time timeless than sports pods, and they're going to be doing the advertising um, kind of technology behind it. So that could even be interesting. Where where if SiriusXM wants to get more into podcasting, you know. I would say Bill's a little bit past his prime, I think, as everyone listening knows. But, um, you know, it's still a big name. So certainly some, something like that could happen. Oh, so, so two things on that. One, you know, like that on because uh, Apple does uh, those Friday MLB games that they offered Bill to uh, be one of the commentators on those games. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that was a great call for him not to do that. It, it was because, like, we saw what happened to Katie Nolan. I think she, he would have been in a similar role. I think it would have ended terribly. But they definitely, they're definitely talking to him about different things. So, like, they are maintaining that relationship in some respects. And then you also remember, like, Bill used to do when he would DJ, like, Yacht Rock and things like that, or like the Pearl Jam channel with Sirius. Oh, did he? Like, oh, did, did you? I, I didn't oh, know. Yeah. You didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He. I guess he doesn't do it anymore, but he would talk about it on the pods. And I was at when I was like building that game, he would talk a, like a little bit about that when he would be doing those things. Like it wasn't very, very often, maybe like once or twice a year, but he used to do that. And he doesn't do it anymore, I guess, because of this relationship with Spotify. But he definitely has like some connections over at Sirius. Interesting. You know, speaking of that, I, I give Bill a lot of shit these days, but I commend him for not taking that Apple role fantastic decision because i think that that was toast from the start you put him in there you put katie you put anybody in there that was just not going to work because that is not how baseball is called and that's not how people want to listen to baseball games no i mean like the, the typical way that people describe and will critique the national games is like you're used to your guys in uh, your local broadcast who, you know, know the team in and out and are able to make like insightful commentary on that versus national guys. And like Joe Buck talks about this a lot. Like, you know, you parachute in, you do a game and you leave. Um, so it would be, it would be even worse for Bill because there's no way Bill has enough knowledge to be able to make some insightful commentary for three hours in a baseball game, especially for teams that he doesn't follow because he's only following the Red Sox. So he's only going to have knowledge on the ALE, unless he does enough homework for it. It would have been very, I mean, I would have loved to have watched it. I would have even got, I would have gotten if I needed to an Apple uh, plus subscription for it. Uh, just so I could hear Bill absolutely make a fool of himself. Oh God, it would have been incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And on that point, I listened to some of those games. Um, I actually, I actually did an analysis of it for the subreddit 
people got a, some some people got a kick out of it some didn't um but um i basically was like look katie nolan there was entire half innings where she didn't say anything because right. either there wasn't a joke to be made or the way that the action went like you just needed to have the baseball knowledge in order to say something so yeah like they, whatever apple was doing at least they they made a change after the first year and i think now Actually, I don't even know if they're doing the games anymore, but I, I think they changed it after that first year to more traditional broadcasters, which just makes sense. So, yeah, so Bill Simmons, I'm giving you credit. Great move to not do that. It would have been a disaster. Oh, yeah, no, he, he saw a mile away. Like, this is this is going to end very poorly, and I'm going to be on awful announcing excerpts, and I'm going to look terribly. Yeah. Okay, now maybe maybe let's actually finish it in this one because we talked about the sub a bit, and this this is the R. Bill Simmons podcast. So yeah, what what are your thoughts on the sub? How long have you uh, been checking it? I know you said you you mostly like get things sent to you, but what's what's your overall thoughts on the Bill Simmons subreddit? Um, so as I mentioned, like my buddy Jr. will send me uh, you know various links on it. He checks it maybe like uh, once every day or or two days. Uh, when I when he first introduced me to it, I had no idea that it really, like I kind of knew that it existed, but I didn't know like what the fan base was like. And I found it hilarious that it was essentially these this group of people who will listen to every single thing that Bill puts out just so they can shit and hate on him. <laughs> and I, I was like, this is incredible! Like I, I absolutely love this. And, like they're putting this much, like their their lives are like updating the app until the episode drops listening to it as soon as it drops so they can be the first people to like point out whatever you know mistakes or errors or stupid things that bill says um so i i respect them utterly for doing that uh i'm not that way like i i love bill and i want to love bill so i don't uh i don't i don't have no need to go on to the uh onto the subreddit and shit on him but i i absolutely respect the hustle that these guys put in yeah, so you are describing me to to um to an extent. <laughs> I used to do a lot, a lot more of that. So I, I would say what what you're describing, absolutely. I mean, if anyone's listening, if you're listening by now, you're probably on the sub. But if you're not on the sub, at the very least, what you should do is go there after an episode drops because then you can see the episode thread and it's full of people just making hilarious comments about uh, the episode a lot of hating on bill yeah so what i would do that that what you described was maybe me from like 2017 to 2019 where i was still kind of angry at what i thought was a big drop of quality in the pot like i can't believe this like i can't believe this guy is not doing as well as i used to think in the pods worse and then i probably did you know post pandemic i think um or during the pandemic not as much time to listen to podcasts anyway because no commutes anything so i didn't listen to as many as much anyway and then now i'm i'm much more on the i'm embracing full parody simmons at, to laugh at him so i i love the sub in that way because oftentimes i don't even listen to the episode but i go into the sub and it's fantastic or if i do listen to the episode or I listen to excerpt or I listen to a little bit of it you just make a meme about the episodes and people have a ball with that the other thing I love too is when well, there's a lot of things I love about the subreddit. Obviously, someone someone participating in it and naming their podcast that it's when the Cel when the Celtics or a Boston team when the Celtics or Patriots do do terribly lose a big game, this this sub gets up for it. I think they're when the Celtics lost last postseason. 
I think there was 4,000 people online posting that picture of sad Bill, just <laughs> celebrating the fact that they lost. So, you know, the, the, the world would, would come together if everybody was rooting against Bill Simmons' teams. I mean, it is unbelievable how excited the sub gets for when a Boston team loses. So, yeah, for anyone who, who isn't checking it out, I mean, 100%. You, if, you're, if, you're, if Bill Simmons is in your periphery of any kind, you have to go out there and check it out. And it because and to bring it full circle, like that's one re- also one reason why I enjoyed going through rewatchables because it's it's the polar opposite of how the subreddit operates, where it's clear like every single person there loves both Bill as well as the general cast on rewatchables. Um, so it's just, it was great to just see that contrast of fandom where you have all these like what is it like fifty thousand people on the subreddit now? Yeah. So you have this significant contingent of people who simply just part of their lives is just hating on bill that but you you're able to like get out of that mindset and out of that you know it's small corner of the internet to see like most listeners i think still listen to bill not to hate on him but simply just because they enjoy the content that he puts out uh so it was good to see that there's still a significant amount of people out there in the real world who are still enjoying him yeah, I would equate it to a bit to um, there's a Survivor Reddit and then obviously people that watch Survivor. So I actually got onto Reddit in the first place because of Survivor. Tribe has spoke tribe. That's where tribe comes from. Um, and yeah, like the, the people on the Survivor Reddit, they and I, I include myself in this when I was on there, but I haven't done it in a while. Um, the amount of analysis that they are putting into the show is insane watching every show very close details keeping track of the exact amount of time people are speaking in confessionals at, at the number of times they speak so all the screen time they're getting there's different ways people look at the edit to say who's winning who, who has a chance but that's like two percent or one percent of the audience of the show most people just watch the show once a week don't think about it again and just watch it the next week they're not listening to podcasts about it they're not, you know, just got, getting into this intense online fanhood. And what I found is that I think the show is much more enjoyable without being extremely online. So I don't really look at the subreddit uh, when the show is going on because I think it's better to just watch it and then not not have a feeling that oh, four people can't win because of the subreddit and what they what what they've said. So kind of in that vein. There's some people that will say, oh, I listened to Bill, I went to the sub, and it sort of ruined the experience of listening to Bill because now I now he, he does all these things I didn't realize annoyed me, but now I do. But I would also say that is probably the minority, whereas the majority of it, it's a very fun uh, addition to listening to the pod. So yeah, most likely – the vast, vast majority of Bill Simmons listeners don't even know what the, what the subreddit is, but I would say mostly it's a fun companion to when you do listen and you can see what, what people are saying. So, look, a lot of people come on here and they say, I don't participate in the subreddit, but I think it's hilarious. So that's probably a natural place to just see it every now and then. But um, as, as one of those guys that is kind of on there a lot and contributing, there is um, that that can be fun as well. So, um. Yeah, man. Do we need to do anything else? I, th- I think I think we crushed it. I think this is a great episode. No, yeah, I, I think we covered everything we wanted to. 
I um, once again, I told you before the pod, as I do everybody, I said we should go for forty-five minutes to an hour. Um, <laughs> that did not happen. So, so future people I have on the pod, I I, I swear I'm not saying I want to go forty-five to an hour because I don't think it's going to be as good. I stop saying this to everybody, and we still end up going for for a long time. But hey, you know what? There's just a lot to talk about. There, there's a lot to talk about Bill Simmons in general, but especially this week. There was a ton to talk about, so very glad you joined us with um, a lot of great insight. No, yeah, glad to do it. When you start talking about Bill Simmons, you really just can't stop. You can't. You absolutely can't. <laughs> so it is, you know, this. he's got fans all over the place, and he's got enough fans that even people are listening to a podcast about his podcast. So I think yeah. that, that kind of tells it all. But, yeah, man, if you, uh, if you don't have anything else, we can uh, – we can wrap it up. So any, any final closing words to listeners? Um, just in general, message board culture, absolutely fantastic. Like you mentioned Survivor, like that other friend that I that friend that I had that I mentioned will also is actually a Survivor uh, watcher and will send me Survivor content. The amount of analysis that they do is incredible. And then even just talking about the college football forums, uh, the college basketball forums, the amount of analysis that people do is absolutely respectful and i love reading all of it so thank you to everyone out there who is put, generating all of this content for free right yeah and i oh, actually saw two two comments on that one is i think i've heard i don't know who originally said it but basically the the surest way to get great information on the internet is to make a reddit post with wrong information because <laughs> you will get people coming out of the woodwork correcting you so that's that totally makes sense and then yeah the second thing is the the reason i started doing this pod in the first place was because well one person in particular but like kind of the idea was you're doing all like you're you as in tribe like you're writing so much on the subreddit like should you be doing should you be putting all the effort that you're doing into something channeling into something else and so i think that's kind of how the pod was born and I think it's been great because having these long form conversations with with uh, with Simmons fans is is a fantastic addition to the sub. Now the sub hates self promotion, so they they don't the the people on the subreddit commenting don't love the podcast outwardly. But I do think clearly people are listening and like it and like the Twitter. So um yeah, I think they'll love this episode, man. I, I think you you totally you totally brought great info on um on Titus and McAfee especially that I think um. You know, people people are really interested by this stuff, and it's I, I learned a lot because it's fascinating to me how open some of those guys are, especially at Barstool, about what's going on. Um, and so that makes it makes for great podcast fodder because, like, let's let's actually analyze what's going on with these guys. It's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. They give us so much content, and uh, they, they very much work off that Howard Stern confessional culture. Like, we're going to be very open and honest, and we're just going to talk about all the things that are going on instead of trying to hide it. Um, so it's it's, it's great for reporting because instead of trying to like you know look through the tea leaves, you're just able to know exactly what's going on. Love it. Well, um, appreciate it. Appreciate all your time. And um, yeah, if there's a uh, future Bill Simmons topics uh, that, uh, that that you're hot on, always uh, welcome back. And with that, man, I think cheers. Uh, appreciate the time again. And uh, listeners, we'll see you guys soon. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much. I had a great time. All right.